Uh, I've got a special word for you to, uh, this evening, um, but I just want to frame it for you all. You know, this, this, uh, these coming weeks, um, uh, during, the, the, during the midweek Bible studies, we're going to have teaching on the subject of uh, teamwork, amen, and uh, being on God's dream team, amen. And, um, and I believe that this is going to be a really important turning point for this ministry, specifically a turning point in your lives, because you're part of this ministry too, whether you know it or not. You are part of this ministry, you're part of this church, amen. And we're going to see some phenomenal things happening in our lives from uh, from this these these teachings and from this participation in small groups. How many of you have signed up for a small group? Raise your hand. Praise God. Okay. Well, we I I believe we still have some room, right, on um, on some of our small groups. Uh, I would really encourage you to get involved. This is something that will really help you understand your place in the kingdom of God and your place in the will of God and God's will in your life. Amen. And so uh, I really encourage you to uh, sign up. Are we going to have any sign up afterwards? We can. We can? Okay. Thank you, Pastor Nancy. Okay. So, you know, um, if you are interested, and I think you should be um, interested in participating in the small groups, and the way we're going to go about it is we're going to, you know, start out with praise like we did tonight, and then go into 20 minutes of teaching followed with some group discussion. And we're going to break out into small groups of about a dozen to 15 people and uh, participate in discussions about what it means to be in God's dream team. Amen. So uh, before we get started, let's just go ahead and bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just come before you right now in the name of Jesus. Father, I just thank you, Lord, that my speech and my preaching are not filled with enticing words of men's wisdom, but that they are in demonstration of your spirit and of your power, that our faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God alone. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you always confirm your word with signs and wonders following. I thank you, Lord, that people will be set free, healed, and delivered as they receive the good news of Jesus Christ this evening. Father, I thank you, Lord, that people will leave changed, that they will not leave the same way that they came in this evening, Father. I thank you, Lord, that you will leave an indelible stamp in their spirits and in their lives. I thank you, Father, that they, they all have an ear to hear to receive what the Spirit of the Lord has for us this evening. And we thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, um, the, uh, what I'm going to be ministering on today is God using ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Amen. God using ordinary people to do extraordinary things. You may, in your own sight, view yourself as just an average Joe, an average Josephine, you know, so just an average person. But God's got more for you than just an average life. Amen. God's called us to do great things. Great things. Say great things. God has called you to do great things. And so I'm going to lay out just some, you know, a little framework here for you to see for yourselves what the Word says about how God used ordinary people and how He took ordinary people to do extraordinary exploits in His name. Praise God. So let's look here in uh, Luke chapter 5. And we're going to, we're going to look at uh, the call on Peter's life when Jesus called Peter 
into ministry. Now, um, you know, Jesus started out with his own small group. And his own small group consisted of people like Peter. You know, some people wonder, how come Jesus didn't go to the synagogue where, you know, people were taught the law and people were very learned of the law? How come he didn't go to those people with PhDs and doctorates in in ministry and and divinity? Why did he go to a lake (laughs) of all places? And why did he pick, of all people, at least in in this first account of his calling of disciples, why of all people did he go to a fishing uh, post on the lake. I mean, when you think about it, I mean, I'm just kind of, I, I try to always, when I read the Bible, I always try to put myself in that place, in that space that's being described um, in the account. And I'm thinking, you know, here, here's Jesus, right? He's teaching a multitude of people, and the people are crowding him so much that he's running out of space yeah. to teach. And so he's looking around, and he sees these fishermen, now, I don't know if you've ever been around people who are fishermen as professionals, but these people are not ones to dress up in, you know, fine suits and dress shirts, button-down shirts. I mean, you know, most of the people that I know spend, spend their time out in the water cuss a lot, right? They don't necessarily smell the best, right? They're a little gruff, as some people would say. And, uh, and yet, Jesus looked around... And he saw Peter and his brothers and his, and his uh, partners in his business cleaning their nets. And he asked them, you know, let me use your boat. So, you know, he, he, he gets on the boat and he, he continues to preach. And he continues to teach and he continues to minister healing, as we've read before, right? And is, is what Brother Cook showed in, in Matthew. And we see here... In Matthew chapter 5, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 5, it says here, um, let's, in fact, let's start uh, at verse 4. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drought. And Simon answered and said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Now Jesus told him to let down his nets. He said, I'll let down my net. Now, he, made, he was starting to make excuses as what can happen when God calls people to doing something, you know. And, and Pastor Tom talked about that, right? That sometimes we get a little too busy, a little too busy with life rather than getting busy with God. Well, Lord, yeah, I know you want me to go to that Bible study. I know you want me to sit in that small group, but, you know, I've been working... 12-hour days this past week, and I'm just feeling a little bit tired. I need a break. No, you have to make time for God, amen? And you have to purpose in your heart to give time to God. Now, Jesus said, Let down your nets for drought. And Simon answered and said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they enclosed what? A great multitude of fish. And their net broke. And they beckoned to their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both ships so that they began to sink. So, you know, we, a lot of us have heard this account, but I want you to picture this in your mind. 
Jesus told them, let down, let down your nets. They let down one net. The net fills up to the point where the boat that Peter is in begins to sink. So then Peter calls to his partners. Now, you know, they don't, they're not, you know, these guys are professional fishermen. They're not in a little rowboat, okay? They are in a fishing boat, something made to haul a huge catch, right? But they had spent their whole evening working and not getting anywhere in their work. Jesus shows up on the scene with, as he was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he tells them, let down your nets. So then they let down the one net. The net fills up and it fills up to where the ship begins to sink. They call in their partners and then they begin to fill up the other ship. And that ship starts to sink. What happened? God is in the overflow. Amen. And so then they said, so let's read here in, in, in uh, verse 8. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Why was he a sinful man? Because he disobeyed God. He disobeyed Jesus. When the Lord told him, let down your nets, he only took one net. He probably didn't even put the best net that he had. He probably like, you know, give me that chump net over there, you know. Just, you know, to pay lip service to Jesus. So he puts out this little net, and that thing began to fill up. But you know what? They, got, they caught enough fish to fill up two ships. Yeah. Amen? And then he said here, uh, in, in verse 8, When Peter saw he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him at the draught of the fishes which they had taken... And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth you shall catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, what did they do? They forsook all and followed them, followed Jesus. They left the fishing business. Now, I'm not telling you to just drop everything that you're doing right now in your life. But what I am saying is that you have to have an attitude that whatever you're doing pales in comparison to what God has called you to do if you're not doing what God has called you to do. Amen? Amen. It's very important that we find out, God, what is your will for my life? What is, what is the purpose for me being on this earth? What is the purpose for me being in Hayward, California? What is the purpose for me attending Heart of the Bay Christian Center? Amen? You ever ask yourself these questions? Yeah. <laughs> Amen. We should, because God has put, God has placed us here for a purpose. Amen. He's put us in this place at this time for a particular purpose. Amen. And uh, I don't know about you, but you know, I like to. Uh, my wife, my, my my wife and son will tell you that I don't like to waste too much time at anything. I mean, I, uh, I, you know, I have a very full day at work and, and full day with, with things and, and ministry and stuff like that. So, you know, I don't like to waste too much time. And, um, and so I'm always asking, Lord, what, what is the purpose? What, is, what am I supposed to do today? What am, I, what am I to accomplish today? And how do I set about doing it? 
And there are a lot of times when I'm challenged with a lot of things that will, you know, the devil, where the devil will try to keep me up all night thinking about these things. And it's like, you know what, Lord, I cast my care upon you. Amen. I'm giving this to you. You know, you know the solution. You know the answer. Amen. You know how to work out of this jam. So I'm just going to trust in you to show me how to work through this day. And a and, and hundred times out of a hundred, he never fails. He'll show me exactly what to do. Amen. Amen. But you have to have this attitude. Lord, whatever I think I need to be doing, I'm going to put this aside. I need to seek what you have for me and do what you tell me to do. Amen. And when you do that, praise God, you will begin to walk in what we call sweatless victory. (laughs) Sweatless victory. Amen. Where you don't have to struggle through every day, struggle through the week, Wonder, where's my next paycheck coming from? Amen? Because God wants to get you over and above. Amen? Praise God. Now, in John chapter 14, we don't have to turn there, but in John chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus told his disciples, he said, The works that I do, you will do also, and greater works will you do, because I go unto my Father. Well, what works did Jesus do? Jesus taught the gospel, right? He preached the word of God with purpose. He preached the God with the anointing that changed people's lives forever. And then he healed the sick. We read that how Jesus was anointed of the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing all the good and healing those who were oppressed of the devil. So we read that Jesus did great exploits. I mean, he raised people from the dead. He, uh, he ministered healing to the sick. He set people who were captive free from demonic oppression and possession. And Jesus said, you know what, in all of this, these works that I'm doing, you'll do also. And not only will you do these same works that I do, but greater works will you do. Why? Because God is willing to take ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Amen? You may seem like an ordinary person to yourself, but in God's eyes, you are an extraordinary person. Praise God. I, uh, I, I, like, to, um, I like to read biographies. I mean, I'm not, I don't read biography books, but I, I like to read about people's lives. And, you know, one testimony that really strikes me as being something where God took an ordinary person was um, the account of Israel Houghton's life. Israel Houghton is a, um, a praise and worship leader from uh, Joel Osteen's church, Lake, is it Lake? Lakewood. Lakewood Church in Houston, Texas. And, um, you know, he was, he was born to a, a woman who was out of wedlock. At the time that he was born, his mother was about 17 years old. His mother was an accomplished pianist, she was a very talented person, maybe considered kind of a, a prodigy in her right. And she was, her, his mother was a, a Caucasian woman growing up in Iowa in the Midwest. She uh, had gotten involved with a young man, and she became pregnant with, um, with this young man. And this young man happened to be African-American. Well, Israel Houghton's grandparents, his mother's parents did not agree with the fact that their daughter was with a young black man. And they shunned her. 
And they basically told her that, you know, what you need to do is you need to go and get an abortion. And uh, we'll just wipe the slate clean and you can start all over again and you can pursue your career in, in music. Well, she didn't do that. She wanted to keep the baby. And so, you know, her family shunned her because she wanted to keep the baby because they didn't want a brown child in their house. So she, she and um, the young man who uh, was the father of her child took off and went to California. And when they, went, when they arrived in California, she got involved in drug use and um, eventually he left her. So here she is, destitute, pregnant, teenager, out in the streets. And one day this woman came up to her and she said, I don't know who you are, you don't know who I am, but I feel led to share with you that Jesus loves you and that he's never going to give up on you. And she that day accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. And from that point forward, she dedicated her life and her baby, who was not yet born, to the Lord. And if you know the story about Israel Houghton, everybody knows about Israel Houghton. We sing a lot of his songs here at this church. They are anointed, powerful, praise and worship songs. Amen? I mean, I listen to CDs all the time. And, you know, he, he, he says, you know what? Through all of this, I realize that God could take anybody and make somebody out of a nobody. Amen? Amen. If God can do that in the life of Israel, Houghton, he could have been just another abortion statistic. Think of what he can do with you if you're just willing and obedient. Like Peter, when he gave up his boat to Jesus. When he decided, okay, Lord, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to just put aside what I'm doing. I'm going to put aside my agenda, and I'm going to follow you. Amen? Amen. Let's look here in Acts chapter 10. I want to show you another story of an ordinary person being used of God. How many of you have uh, served in the military or serving in the military now? Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. We thank you for your service. Amen. Amen. Praise God. It's a great sacrifice to serve your country. Um, We don't count that lightly. Amen. You know, um, whenever we're in the airport or something, you know, we encourage our son to go up to that uh, person serving in uniform to go and thank them. Amen. There there have been times when some people just break down in tears because, you know, they've never had anybody that has taken time out to thank them for their service. Amen. So, you know, I just want to show you here, God used a military person. Amen? Um, in, an, in a most extraordinary way. Let's look here in Acts chapter 10. Anybody getting anything out of this? Yeah. All right, praise God. There was a certain man in, in verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius, and when he looked on him, he he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God, or your prayers and offerings have come up for a memorial before God. 
and now send to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. Peter, the guy who used to be a fisherman. The guy who used to stink and cuss a lot and catch a lot of fish. Now he's being called by a centurion, which in these days, you know, in, in, under Roman Empire rule, you know, they didn't, you know, Romans and Jews didn't mix it up, okay? You know, it was like, this is your side, this is our side. Yes, you are occupying our country, but no, you cannot come into my house. No, I will not socialize with you. I will not eat with you. I will not even barely acknowledge you when you're around. And yet here, Cornelius, who was a Roman, a Roman soldier, a captain in the army, was praying and received a vision from the Lord, an army guy. Okay? And he's being told by an angel of the Lord to seek out Simon. Simon. So we know the story that what happens is about that same time when Cornelius has this vision, Peter goes up into the roof of where he's staying, and he's praying. He's praying, and then all of a sudden he receives a vision from the Lord where God shows him unclean things. When I say unclean things, things that were forbidden in, at the time of the Jewish diet. So he probably saw a few pigs, you know, some slabs of bacon hanging on this, in this vision. He probably saw, you know, a few, uh, um, you know, reptiles that, that, that people in the, in, the, in, you know, in the Jewish diet, they don't eat. He saw these things and God said, look, those things are not unclean if I call them clean. Amen? And he's just showing Peter this. And, he, and this is a vision given to Peter to reveal to Peter that, look, God is changing things here and what he declares to be clean is clean. And what he declares to be clean are things that were considered under Jewish law to be unclean. And what happens? He's summoned by uh, Cornelius' men. And they said, look, Cornelius, our captain in the Roman army, the oppressors of your people, are beckoning you to come to his house. Now, he could have instantly said, no, I'm not going to do that. That's not the will of God. But didn't he just receive a vision? He received a vision that whatever things were considered unclean are now clean. And so he goes over to, uh, to Cornelius' house. And we'll pick it up here in, in Acts chapter 10, verse 44. It says here in Acts chapter 10, verse 44, now what happened was um, Peter uh, met with Cornelius and his family, and he began to account. He began to give the account of how Jesus basically died and was risen again, and that he had given his life for the salvation of, of the world. And he, gave, he started to give this account to Cornelius. And it says here in verse 44, While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all of them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision, or Jewish people, 
which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was what? Poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. So let's just, let's just put this in proper perspective. Cornelius is a Roman soldier. He's not a Jew. At that time... The only people that could be saved before then were people who believed on the God of, uh, of, uh, of Moses, of Isaac, of, amen, uh, the Jewish God. And yet this man, even though he was not a Jew, he understood that the God of Israel was the holy God and the living God and the God that should be worshipped. And he was praying, and he's given to the poor in Israel. He was a righteous man, but he was not a saved man. Peter goes to his house and ministers the word of God about salvation to Cornelius' household. They not only received salvation, but they also received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues. And the people that were with Peter were just amazed. They were astonished, like, what is this? Their heads went tilt, just like Peter's did when he caught all those fish. God always has a plan, amen? And God was using this ordinary soldier in the army as a powerful witness to the Lord, amen? And what happened was Cornelius' household, that set off a chain reaction. He was the first Gentile to receive salvation, and to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know how many of you have grown up as Jews. I haven't. I'm, you know, I grew up as a, quote, Gentile. And praise God for Cornelius. Because if it weren't for Cornelius and his obedience to God, some of us might not be saved. Amen? But because of his obedience to God, because he was offering up prayers and offerings up into God and giving to the poor, God used him, a soldier in the army, in a most powerful way, and set off, praise God, our chain reaction throughout the world that, you know, the repercussions are felt today. Amen? Because of this, one's man, this one man's obedience. But we see here there are certain traits about Cornelius. It says here that he was praying. Yes. He was praying. Yes. You know, there's something about prayer that opens up you to the will of God. There's something about prayer that opens you up to fulfilling the purpose of God in your life. Amen? And when you spend time in prayer, praise God, you're just saying, look, you know, I'm going to just cancel out everything else going around me. I'm just going to put myself before you, Lord. It's just you and me. Amen. And we're going to talk and we're going to commune. We're going to share with each other. Amen. I hope that you share with God. Amen. You know, that you don't just do all the talking. Amen. (laughs) That you do some of the listening because he is talking to us. Amen. You know, in prayer time. Sometimes you can just sit there and just be quiet and receive from the Lord, receive from the Holy Spirit. I can tell you one time when I was, uh, this was years ago, I was 
on a business trip in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And, um, and I knew there were some things coming up in my spirit. I knew there were some changes coming up in my life and my wife's life at the time. And I was in this hotel room. I, you know, I had dinner and I was just up in my room and I just started praying in the Holy Spirit. Turned out the lights, just kind of had one light on. It was dim and I was just praying in the Holy Spirit. And, and it was almost just like what we read about what happened to Peter. It was almost like a, a trance just fell upon me and then I just saw this vision of people. And I saw these people and I saw what was happening to them and I knew that I was called to minister to these people. And I woke up, I, it's like I woke up out or, or kind of sprung out of this trance and just became aware of my surroundings. was back in the hotel room but I was seeing all these people. And I asked the Lord, Lord, what is this? And he showed me, those are the people that you're called to minister to. And I said, well, where are they? And he said, in, in the Bay Area in California. Now, here I am. I, I'm living in Boston, Massachusetts at the time, on a business trip in Toronto, Canada. And the Lord has given me a vision about people in California. I had to put aside my plans. Amen. I had to say, you know what, Lord, whatever I'm doing, you know, whatever's on my agenda, whatever is on my schedule for next year, I'm going to have to put that off and I'm going to have to follow you. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I know if I just put my trust in you, put my faith in you. Amen. You'll make it happen. And sure enough, he did. He got us out here. Amen. Debt free. <laughs> Praise God. We didn't, you know, because, you know, the Bible says that God never sends a soldier into battle at his own charge. Amen. If God has called you to do something, he's going to equip you. He's going to prepare you. He's going to give you everything you need in order to fulfill his plan and his purpose for your life. Don't forget that. Don't ever forget that. Amen. God will give you whatever you need. If you need people to help you, he'll send people. If you need money, if you need a car, whatever it takes. Now, that car may not look like the kind of car you want. Amen. Maybe a hoopty. <laughs> but it will get you to where you need to be. Amen. That's the important thing. Praise God. Don't put God in the box. Please don't do that. Amen. So we know that, uh, one, you have to be willing and obedient. That's one of the traits of, of, of an ordinary person transforming into a person able to do extraordinary things. Secondly, you need to be a person of prayer. You need to spend time in prayer. Amen? You cannot get anywhere without a prayer life. A failure to prayer, amen, is setting yourself up for failure. Why? Because you're not getting what you need from heaven. When you spend time in prayer with the Lord, amen, God sees the big picture. You know, we're like that little mouse running through that maze trying to get that piece of cheese, right? But God sees, he can see from above, and he can tell you, look, turn right, turn left, don't, no, don't go down there, that's a dead end. Amen? Yeah, right. And, you know, you need to put that into practice in, in, in your daily life. Sometimes, you know, when I'm going down to work, I, I work down in San Jose, but I live here in the East Bay, and it's a long drive, and just like Pastor Tom was talking about traffic, you know, you're trying to find... This morning you were talking about trying to find your way, a little shortcut or alternate path. And, um, you know, 
a lot of times you just have to be obedient to the Lord. And just, okay, Lord, okay, I'm sitting in this parking lot here on 880. What am I supposed to do? Stay on this road or go off? And, you know, a lot of us, we put our trust in technology, right? But a lot of times you just have to put your trust in the Lord. And a lot of times, you know, I found that if I just follow the Lord's voice, I can get a parking spot. Amen. I can get to work on time without getting into an accident. Amen. If you just put those, the, the Lord's will and the Lord's, uh, the Lord's leading first place in the small things, amen, he'll, he'll do those things in the big things of your life. Amen. That's the kind of God that he is. Yeah, he is, he is involved in all the minutia of our life. Amen. Praise God. So we see here that Cornelius, an army guy, was a man of prayer. He was also a generous man. He gave. See, there's something about when you give, when you, when you supply your offering, when you supply out of your material to God, there's something that happens. We read in Proverbs that a, a, a man's gift will make room for himself. It'll make room for himself and it'll bring him before great people. Amen? I have, you know, one thing that I learned early on in my Christian walk with the help of my wife was to not to be married to my things. You know? I mean, it's nice to have things, but God doesn't want things having you. Amen? And uh, Cornelius was a man who was a generous person who gave. Amen. So, one, we want to be willing and obedient. Two, we want to be people of prayer. Three, we want to be giving people. Giving people. Let's look at another account of another ordinary person called to do something extraordinary. Let's look in Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. I love this story um, because... This is a business person. How many of you work in, you know, just for a company, work in the workplace, right? How many? A lot of us are, right? How many of you don't work? I know, a lot of you are raising your hands. So I think a lot of us work in, you know, some, in the corporate world. We work in, for a company. We work in a business, right? Well, here's a person that was used of God who was in the business world. Um, so let's look here in, in uh, Acts chapter 16. And uh, let, me, let me find this scripture here. Acts chapter 16, we want to look here. Oops. Ooh. In verse 12. Acts chapter 16, verse 12. Paul and Silas are in uh, what we call modern day Turkey. And um, Paul... And Silas felt that they were supposed to do some more ministry in what they call the, the continent of Asia. But they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to do that. It says here in um, Acts chapter 16, verse 9, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night, and there stood a man of Macedonia, and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us, for to preach the gospel unto them. 
And then we read on here in verse 12, and from thence to Philippi, Philippi is in what we call the, the modern day country of Greece, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia and a colony, and we were in that city abiding certain days. And on the Sabbath we went out of the city by a riverside where what? Prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the woman, women which resorted there. Now, Peter, or I'm sorry, Paul was called to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. And so he was going out beyond Jerusalem. He was going out beyond Israel to, to preach, to go on a missionary journey and to preach to the Gentiles. And he was trying to find out what the Lord's will was, where he was supposed to go. And as he, and in this prayer time or in this vision, he receives this, this vision of this man in Macedonia calling him to come to Macedonia. He wasn't thinking about going to Greece. He was thinking about, I'm going to stay here in Turkey. He was setting up churches in Corinth. He was setting up churches in Antioch and in all these different cities. And here is this guy calling him come across the, the water into Macedonia. So, Paul, being the willing and obedient person to the vision of God, went over to Macedonia. What do they find? Well, they don't find too many Christians. <laughs> there are no Christians there. And surely they don't find too many Jewish people either. This is, a, this is uncharted territory for those in the Christian world. So he goes over into this town. He doesn't know anybody. Nobody knows him. Nobody knows about the Jesus that he's preaching. And yet he's supposed to win this city over. Think about that as a mission. Okay? But he goes over there and he finds out that there's a group of women along a river outside of town that worship God. So it's like, well, there's, there's a place to start. So let's go over there. Let's go find out what's happening at this group. And it says here, <clears throat> um, and a certain woman in verse 14, a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Theatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. Now this person, Lydia, was a businesswoman. She was the seller of purple dyes and purple linens. She actually had a thriving business, a very successful business, because in those days, the, the color purple was a very rare color and a very, um, uh, you know, very um, costly um, or expensive color. Most people wore white or gray or dirty gray <laughs> back then. Um, she was selling purple linens, purple clothing and dyes. So she had a premium priced product that she was selling. But as successful as this woman was, she understood that there was a God to be feared and a God to be worshipped. And she was found among other women praying to the Lord. And that's where Paul finds her. And Paul, Paul says here, well, we, what we see here in verse 14, that when she heard 
Paul preach, her heart opened up to the Lord. In verse 15, And when she was baptized and her household, she besought us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. In other words, she like, you're not staying anywhere else except my house. I'm going to feed you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to make sure that whatever you need, your needs are taken care of. She was a successful businesswoman. She was a woman of means. And she took Paul and Silas and their party into her house. And she made sure, look, whatever they need in order to preach this gospel, I'm going to make sure I do my part. A businesswoman. A working woman, if you want to put it that way. Amen? An ordinary person called to an extraordinary thing. Do you know that this woman was the first person in Europe to be saved and to be baptized with the Holy Spirit? This was the account of the very first person in Europe to receive the gospel. You know, I see many different faces, and and there are quite a few people of European descent. It all started with Lydia. Amen? Started with Lydia. Not this Lydia. (laughs) The Lydia in the Bible. But Lydia's a good person, too. Amen? (laughs) Praise God. Lydia ended up helping Paul establish that church in Philippi. And if any of you know anything about the letter that Paul wrote to the Philippians... In fact, let's go there in Philippians chapter 4. I want you to see what Paul thought of that church in Philippi. This was an ordinary person called to do an extraordinary work. It says here in, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 15, Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel... In the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but who? You only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again unto my necessity. What's he talking about? They were sending him money. They were sending him supplies. They were sending him the means in order for him to continue on his journey to bring the gospel to the Gentile world. And who was at the start of this church? Lydia. Not some dude in the synagogue, but this woman who was found to be praying by the riverside. An ordinary business person, if you want to put it that way. Amen? And then he goes on and says here, in verse, eight, in verse 17, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply your need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You know, we're, all, we're always quoting that verse for ourselves, right? My God supplies all my needs. Amen? And that's great. He does supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. But it started with this woman named Lydia because she decided, look, I'm going to put my money behind the gospel. I'm going to put my means behind the gospel. 
if I have to start a Bible study in my house to get this word out by having these people stay at my house and hold church in my living room or whatever, that's what I'm going to do. Because she understood the power of the gospel. Amen? I think about what, what God does through ordinary people, and I think about um, this minister that I know back in the Midwest, who's a very well-known minister, and I think about his own account, his own testimony about how when he grew up, he had a speech impediment. He had a speech impediment, and he would stutter a lot. And uh, kids would tease him. And he grew up with siblings who were, you know, came across as being more intelligent, smarter, sharper, you know, more talented. You know, they could play different musical instruments. He couldn't do anything. Um, he was always picked on in school. And, uh, you know, as he grew older, um, he was talking to one of his school counselors, and they said, well, what do you want to do? And he says, well, I would like to go to college. The school counselor told him, son, you don't need to be thinking about college. You need to consider a trade school, a vocation. You're not college-bound material. You think about that. You go to a high school counselor who's supposed to help you advance in life, and this person's telling you, you're not college material. Well, I can tell you that this person, praise God, got saved, got born again, got filled with the Holy Spirit, found out that he could do all things through Christ Jesus, which strengthens him, and realizes, look, the God of the impossible can make anything possible. And you know what? He's launched ministries, not only in this country, but worldwide. He's credited with, credited with ministering the gospel and bringing the gospel into different parts of the world, saving thousands, maybe even millions of people. But he decided not to follow the instructions or the advice of an ordinary counselor. Amen? Because he decided, look, I serve an extraordinary God. Amen? And this extraordinary God is going to allow me to do extraordinary things if I'm willing and obedient, if I spend time in prayer, if I give offerings. Amen? If I decide to give. Amen? Purpose in your heart. Amen? To do those things. To be willing and obedient. To pray and to give. Amen? Praise God. Let's just go ahead and bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your word, Father. We thank you, Lord, that your word is touching the hearts of your people who have heard this word tonight, Father. I, right now, I just pray for every one of them, Lord, that they all know your will. That they hear your voice and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. Lord, that they put you first place in their lives. Father, I pray, Father, that they seek you first in your kingdom and your righteousness. And that you would add all things unto them as they have need. Father, I thank you, Lord, that, that you, you are the God who goes before us. You are the God who goes before us to show us where we are to pitch our tents. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that you speak into every soul here this evening, Father. I thank you, Lord, that they know your will. I thank you, Lord, that they hear your voice. I thank you, Lord, that they participate in this revolution that's going to take place through the teachings that occur this coming month. I thank you, Lord, that they participate in the small groups, Lord, that they put aside frivolous things, trivial things, and put you first, Father.
so that you can do extraordinary things through them in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father.